1: Hello, everyone. Happy Halloween. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's very special episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. You might not be at the game this year, but the NFL is back, and it's in full swing. And you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. We were going to do a Chicago Bears post game, but things <sighs> went a little awry. Um, things got so disastrous and so scary that we're taking a little bit of a left turn. And we're going to go right back into our Believe in Betty Chicago movie podcast series with a little Halloween edition, a little 19 film called Hocus Pocus. Coming up first on the pod, he's the trick-or-treat king. It's Davis Foley.
0: Joey, thanks so much for having me. You know what? I have like a top five solidified horror films of all time, but I have a new number one, and it's going to be week seven Bears versus Rams. Top, top horror film of all time. Scariest thing I'd ever seen. So happy to be talking about Hocus Pocus.
1: Oh, if only. Why did Matt Nagy light the candle? Why did he light the candle? Uh, that's the question we're going to try and figure out today. He's here for on sure the pod.
0: a coaching virgin.
1: Also back on the pod, he's a return guest from the wonderful movie Pods that you've heard in the past. When he goes to Froggy's Karaoke and he sings the Sarah Jessica Parker, Come, Little Children, I'll Take thee Away, he therefore is asked to leave Froggy's Karaoke and not return. It's Dan Sanders-Joyce.
2: Hey, Joey. Uh, yeah, I was so scared after the Bears game, I had to watch a Halloween movie to go to sleep afterwards um, <laughs> last night. I'm real happy to be here to talk about this movie. Thanks for having me back uh can't wait to get to the dance section i've got some notes
1: oh yeah yeah let's dive let's dive right in let's just start off with movie came out in 1993 now considered a cult classic it's on disney plus it's in the recommended for you so it seems like people have come around and enjoy this movie now more than ever let's just start with you dave first when did you first see the movie didn't have to be in 1993 but do you remember when you first saw this movie uh you know what were you doing and did you enjoy it at first
0: this wasn't a theater film for me. I did not see this one in the theater. This one was a couch movie with me and my sister. Still one of uh, our favorite movies. It's one of the ones we used to quote as kids, watch every Halloween. I mean, it was just an instant classic in the Rispoli household. So I don't really remember if we watched it when it first came out. To be honest, I'm pretty sure we had a VHS of Hocus Pocus floating around the Raspoli household.
1: Yeah, definitely possible. The purple VHS, just kind of maybe going from house to house. Hey, can I borrow that? It's Halloween. I'll bring it right back next week. We'll see what happens. Dan, 1993. Did you see the movie around then? When did you first see Hocus Pocus? And did you like it when you first saw it?
2: Um, <clears throat> much, uh, much like Dave, it was not a it was not a theater uh, movie for me. Um, I, it was also a couch movie. I'm gonna go ahead and get this out of the way right now. Halloween may be my least favorite day of the year. I, uh, I am with the firefighters in this movie that say it's the worst night of the year part of that is because i've been a bartender for as long as i have and it is truly the worst night of the year um and the other part of that is i was never good at picking costumes as a kid and i would get made fun of (laughs) by the adults the adults would be like what the fuck are you? <laughs>
1: and you're like, I'm a potato? They're like, you're a potato?
2: <laughs> they were terrible. And the ones that I like, really kind of thought out, my mom made for me and they were just, she did her best, but they were not, <laughs> they were not good costumes.
0: Joey, Joey, just throw out the show syllabus. I want to dive real deep into Dan's (laughs) childhood. I
1: I just want to know. So at 10 years old, Dan wasn't good at Halloween. So he became a bartender at 10 years old and then just (laughs) ditched the holiday for the next 20 years.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much actually the way everything transpired, actually. That's a
1: sad state of affairs. Uh, Gentlemen, I did see this movie in the movie theater. Oh, Um, I saw it, I believe, in August, a couple months after it came out, and uh, really enjoyed the film. Let's just say I was 10 years old at the time, um, and Sarah Jessica Parker was also in the movie, too. We're going to dive into that a whole lot, but... There was a lot. I mean, there was awakenings from the graveyard. There was awakenings in Joey's 10-year-old self. Just was
0: this your first, Joey? Was this like the the moment that got the uh, engine turned on? Is this...
1: um, I'm not sure. You know, Jessica Rabbit's pretty high up there on the list. I have to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Kelly Kapowski and Saved by the Bell. That was right around that era, too, as well. That was very uh, formative for me. And lo and behold, the movie really hammered home because let's just get right into the theme. It begins with... These witches in the middle of the woods, two young boys wearing XXXXL large T-shirts. Uh, if you're worried that
0: <laughs> They went to Party City and they bought the generic Shakespearean costume. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: looks like they went to uh, some sort of minor league baseball game for a team called the Colonials. And they're just handing out free XXXXXXXXXL t-shirts. And so they're trying to chase after, you know, Thackeray Banks. His sister Emily is being drawn into the woods by these witches. They're trying to suck the essence out of him. And unfortunately, it doesn't work. He fails. Emily's lost to the magic or the curse, if you will. But the colonials come, they round up the witches and they're preparing to hang them. And, and right before that happens, you know, what happens when you're about to be hanged, Dan? I mean, you, you place a curse on virgins. Uh, that's the first thing that you do. Yeah. And as a 10 year old, this really hits home for me right in the beginning of the movie, because now the virgins are now the ones that are being, you know, I mean, they already get called out in the beginning of this film. It was tough.
2: Man, from, from start to finish, it's the beginning theme and the very last line of the movie. He goes, I, was, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really drives the knife in, even in the oh, last couple man. lines of the movie, doesn't he? For,
0: for a Disney film, they absolutely roast
1: virgins.
0: Oh. They're like, if you ain't getting some, you ain't <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, if you thought American Pie was hard on virgins, check out Hocus Pocus sometime. because. Man. Honestly, uh, and then the film opens, and it's a hard time to track how old this main character Max is. So, the basic character is uh, Max and his uh, younger sister. They move from Los Angeles, hip town, party town. They move to Salem, Massachusetts, a town that's just obsessed with... Not just the occult, but the Halloween story that goes into these three witches, the Sanderson sisters, that wreaked havoc on their particular quiet little area 300-some years ago. Everyone's super into the lore, except for Max. And let's just maybe start here. Before we get into it, I mean, we can already tell this dude's a virgin right off the bat, right? Tie-dye shirts. He's doodling in his notebook. I noticed he's doodling a Grateful Dead and a marijuana leaf. What was your first initial reaction to seeing, seeing Max in these first few scenes? Dan, you're going to go first. Uh,
2: I, I just want to say, I, I was not on board with this kid being a virgin right off the bat because that may have been the boldest pickup I've ever seen in my life. He gets schooled by a girl, writes his number down, gets up in the middle of class in front of everybody and just goes, yo, baby, you just did something to me. Here's my digis.
0: Yeah, Dave, hop in. Very Hollywood move, right? That's what I was going to say, Joey. I, I, I think. That was great writing because you didn't even have to tell me. I knew he was an L.A. boy toy. I knew he was from out here. We do things bold out here. You just want that is not the Chicago way. That may not even be the New York way. But here in L.A., you just throw somebody your number, producer, girlfriend, doesn't matter. You got to do it.
1: Yeah, my only question is, didn't he have like a reel or a resume that he could also drop on her desk too as well? I mean, I thought that's also the process that you go through. And let's just stick with the main character, Max, because this is a character that we follow throughout most of the movie. Seems like he's he's just he's not cut for this town, this Salem, Massachusetts. He wish he was back in LA. We're gonna get to the bullies in a second, but I just want to talk about Dave. We're gonna go first here. You know, when you're young and when you're frustrated. You know, where else do you take out your frustration on other
0: than the set of drums on the top, on the top shelf? I mean, let's talk about that. You don't just take them out on the drums. You just do one steady beat. You don't even just, you don't even go solo. You don't even go all over the toms. You just keep one steady beat for about four measures and then you're out of there. Four to the floor, baby, and then it's all out.
1: Yeah, Dan, talk about that real quick. It wasn't an aggressive drum beat. I mean, is that what you do when you just try and get out some of the, the feelies in the world? You just do a little bit of a slow tempo of Steely Dan?
2: Listen, before... <laughs> slow tempo Steely Dan. Brilliant. Before we get too hard on Omri Cats, because we're going to get hard on Omri Cats here in a bit. I do want to give him props. He was really playing those drums. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't like him just sort of like sitting behind and waving some sticks around. He actually was keeping that beat. He had the he did have a couple fills to start each one. <clears throat> um, yeah, go ahead, David. I was just gonna say, you know, what this
0: reeked uh, of to me was, they were casting him and they looked on special skills and they're like, oh, alright you play the drums? And he was like, yeah. And they're like, we got to find a way to put this in the movie. Like for sure. There was no way that that was in the script. And then they were looking for a kid who also played drums. They just found that out. Right.
1: Before you hop in, Dan, I also hope that maybe in the script, it was when he gets frustrated he starts like juggling oranges and they got on set and he couldn't do it. And they were like, screw it. What are we going to do next? And he's like, well, I can play drums a little bit. Dan hop in.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, Omri Katz's special skills was actually pretty extensive through this list. He had some sweepy BMX skills. I don't know if you saw that off-roading little uh, s- swerve right into camera there. Zippo, uh, Zippo skills. Oh, well, let's get into the thousand. Zippo. <laughs> <laughs> and can drum. <clears throat> so. Yeah,
1: there's a there's a lot to unpack with him. He's got a lot at his disposal. Yeah, he's got the little uh, little Swiss Army knife. He's got the Zippo lighter. It's all kind of trending in the right direction for him, but of course you got to start the movie off with two outsiders, right? The fish out of water who don't believe the stories of the Sanderson sisters. And how else do you set it up too? as well? You know, outsiders, they sometimes get picked on a little bit, which introduces us to our bullies in the movie. Dave, you're going to hop in here first. I want to give you our take on Jay and ice, the two bullies in Hocus Pocus.
0: Well, first off, I love them. Second, I thought it was hilarious that Jay could not be more California dude. And it's like, oh, he's got long blonde hair. He literally talks like a surfer dude. And he's like, oh, no, we got someone here from Los Angeles. It's like, buddy, you're from Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah, you're confused. Is is he making fun of him? Is he making fun of the voice? Or No, wait a second. That is his his voice. voice. That's his voice. Also, I love movie bullies. They always wear, like, biker gloves with the fingers cut out for no reason. The wet bandits do it. They do. I don't know why it's a thing, but it's a thing in movies. Um, And I would love to know. The motivation, those guys were like, all right, here's the best place to rob people, the graveyard. Everyone knows people are gonna be passing by the graveyard and they're gonna be loaded with cash or sneakers. We're big sneaker heads. <laughs> it, I, I love them. Dan, but the only place they
1: can be alone. Yeah, Dan, I want you to hop in a second because these are my favorite kind of bullies. You know, the bullies that are always like so focused on just being evil and have nothing else to do other than trying to hunt down and pick out the obviously the lead characters in movies, but just like the people that are underneath them. It kind of gets boring but these bullies are just dumb. You know, they got nothing else to do other than to try and exert their force on, you know, the younger and maybe more vulnerable people in Salem. But I want to hear your take on the bullies. I also want to hear your take on the fashion aesthetic cuz I saw a lot of great 90s tropes. You saw a plaid flannel backwards, uh right. turned into a kilt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, speak on it.
2: Uh so you know, I want to refer to uh Ice by his Christian Christian name Ernie. Uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's earned the name Ice yet. I just don't think he's that cold. Yeah, what um, does it take? What does it take to get Ice?
1: <laughs> Besides uh, doing it in the back of your head.
2: <laughs> Way more than just shaving it in the back of your head. I mean, you got to be a cold dude on these streets, man, and I'm sorry but Ernie has not earned the name Ice yet. Um <clears throat> I do want to say, though, I think Hollywood bullies are the best. Uh, you get the best costumes for sure. Like, you're definitely the best dressed out of everybody. And it is, like, the, the furthest envelope that a, a thing like a Disney film will push is how far they'll push the wardrobe of their bullies. Uh, what is the cutting edge sort of, like, fashion a fashion of the time? And you get that in the bullies. Um, <clears throat>
1: This is when the costume designer gets to really like spread her wings. Is what kind of what you're
2: saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that Disney actually sort of makes uh, bullies look cool. I don't know. Controversial, controversial take, but I think they make bullies look cool in a way. Um, yeah, man, I I don't know as far as like great bullies in, in cinema history, I'm going to rank these two actually pretty low. I think they're, they're pretty lame bullies in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Jay, Jay, just the pauses with Jay. I can just get in, and and with all the pauses between his cutdowns, like I can get in and make nine of them before he gets his out.
1: Oh, yeah, and they're, getting, they're high-fiving each other after every single – I mean, you know, act like you've been there before, bullies. Dave, hop in.
2: I
0: just love that Ice, who at this age even is – Hovering close to six feet, well over two hundred pounds. Same shoe size as Max, who's about my height, five five, probably a buck thirty, soaking wet. Same shoe size. So oddly, ice very tiny feet. And maybe you're cracking something open where that's what he was made
1: fun of as a small child. You know, he was a fat kid, kid with really a bully. with really tiny feet. I'm also getting the vibe too, as well, of the actors that played those two characters. I bet you they were like best friends on set and they really thought that they were doing something amazing. Both thought that this was the big crack in their career. I mean, we're doing a Disney film. Bet Midler's in it. I'm never gonna meet her, but she's in it. And then I could just kind of see them once the shooting is done, their their career's kind of going in different directions. I can see the blonde guy going to parties, people recognizing him, maybe doing pretty well with the ladies, and then Ernie is like you know behind the velvet rope trying to get in and they're looking at his name being like uh and you are and he's like i was in hocus pocus this is the after party and they're like i can't find you dave hop in
0: i do gotta say this too even though these guys are bullies they're clearly also on salem's top improv troupe because their mining skills all bullies do this in movies. There's always a guy who's like, oh, what are you, going home to your mommy? And then the other guy pretends to be the mom and like, you know, everything they say, the other one like fully mimes out. Their mommy feels really good. Their space work on point in this movie.
1: That's really helpful. Sometimes you need to be performative to get your jokes through. Dan, hop in and then we're going to get to the witches.
2: I just want to say <clears throat> both of these guys are still working in Hollywood.
1: Good. Good.
2: Both of these dudes are still working occasionally, time from time to time. You did you did are backing you
1: know, it up already, Dan. You're already backing it up occasionally, oh, time to time, once a year.
2: Jay is working. Jay is working a touch more than Ernie. A touch more than Ernie. Oof.
1: That hurts. That hurts. I that s- probably hurts their I friendship s- more than anything. I s- so so here's the setup. They moved to this new town. They meet the bullies. He gets his shoes stolen. This sucks. Salem sucks. I don't believe in Halloween. I don't believe in these stupid Sanderson sisters. They go home. We meet the incomparable Thora Birch, who I think is the MVP of this movie. We'll get to that a little bit later. But the parents, and this is my favorite Halloween trope ever. Somehow on Halloween is the one perfect excuse for all the adults to get together together. Get wildly drunk and just leave the kids to their own devices on Halloween. Apparently the night when spooks and ghouls and ghosts and goblins come out to play. And so now all of a sudden, Max, he's got to take Thor Birch. He's got to take his little sister out there and he's got to take her out trick-or-treating. Doesn't want to do it. Thinks it's kind of lame. Gets out there, starts doing the trick-or-treating thing. Runs into Allison, played by Vanessa Shaw. And just very quickly, Vanessa Shaw, also Ladybugs. A lot of great, wonderful films of our yesteryear, yep. of our formative yep. years, too, as well. And we start talking about the Sanderson
0: sisters' house. Why don't we just go there? Let's just check it out. It'd be kind of fun. You're not scared, are you? Wait, real quick, Joe, before we get ahead of ourselves, this conversation happens at a decked-out Elizabethan ball.
2: Yeah, we're in a Baroque festival at this.
0: Yeah, and everyone is dressed to the nines, Okay. Hey Disney, maybe put some of those costumes on the opening scene actors that are supposed to be set in that time, and not have the people at the costume party have better Elizabethan wear. (laughs) It was insane.
1: That's a great point. That was a very creepy party too, as well. Who knows what would have transpired as the clock struck twelve on that party? One hundred
2: percent
0: a sex party.
2: That's one hundred percent. That is an eyes wide shut party. One thousand percent. Yes.
1: So Allison, the daughter and played by Vanessa Shaw is like, let's just get out of here. And before we just get to the house, just real quick, there is that vibe on trick or treating. Do you guys ever have that feeling? You know, Dan, your traumatic experience with Halloween aside being a, being a potato uh, or, or being a stock of celery every Halloween. But Dave, didn't you ever have like a trick or treating where you are going out, you're going from house to house. And aren't you just kind of looking for trouble? Not like, breaking the law but like aren't you kind of hoping something scary happens or wouldn't you be more willing to maybe go down that dark alley than you would any other night of the year
0: definitely joey and i've peed down a lot of alleys and a lot of halloweens but i will say this as i was going through my rolodex of old halloweens i realized that for one halloween i was those bullies joey i went to a buddy's house okay he spent cash on really good Halloween costumes. Freddy Krueger, Mike Myers, and Jason, like the full getup, and me and a buddy. I was Kruger, of course. I'm not tall enough to play the other two convincingly. We all were those people, scary, scary people. And we just hung in the bushes of his house, put the bowl out, and we scared kids all night. And one kid got so scared, he was just shaking. Because you know, back in Florida, I don't know how they do it in other places, people used to do um, pillow sacks, like pillowcases. That's what they'd carry. Would be like,
1: they used to put alligators in pillow <laughs> sacks. I don't know how they did it in other places. We did it in Florida
0: <laughs> snakes and alligators and mosquitoes. Yeah. No, it was a pillow sack because you could just hit so many neighborhoods and get so much candy. And this kid dropped his entire pillow sack of candy and ran away. And then we went to grab the candy. And we were like, I was like, oh, why is this candy wet? He pissed himself. We made (laughs) a child piss his pants. And then we took his candy and we just kind of rinsed it off and probably ate it. The wrapper's still good. This is why Dan doesn't like Halloween. People like me, monsters.
1: Dan, Huppin.
2: So This is what I want to say. This is why we do this, right? So we can get to the point where art holds a mirror up to real life. And it causes you to take a second and sit back and realize the damage that you've caused to take away a night like Halloween from guys like me.
0: (sighs) They used to call me frozen water. (laughs) I mean, it can be a very traumatizing
1: time, especially if you're a virgin and you're 15 years old in America, because they get to the house. Let's get to the witches. Let's get into it yeah and let's get into the zippo because this zippo comes into play many many a time in this film it is a weapon it is a it's a it commercial is a, it's a deceptive piece <laughs> it's, it's a, commercial. a commercial it is just if it wasn't for my trusty zippo yeah, exactly. but so they get into the house and one of my questions that i'm kind of confused about is that it's an abandoned sanderson sister house they never really made it they made it a landmark because they never knocked it down but they also somehow were able to put sprinklers in it some 10 to 15 years ago. And then and they never, yeah, and they never went back into it. And the virgin, God, if I had a nickel for every time a virgin fucked something up, uh, goes and he lights the candle. And then all of a sudden, Bette Miller, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimi, the, the ladies on the poster, the three witches, are alive and well looking a little bit, uh, you know, they, they were looking a little bit old, but now they're like coming back and now they need to all of a sudden find as many children as they can to be able to survive the night. Let's just open up the floor on the witches. Personally, it still stands up really well, in my opinion, just the chemistry, the interplay, some of the lines are a little hokey, obviously, uh, you know, trending towards a younger audience, but I just think you have three really interesting distinct characters and the chemistry is really cool. The physicality is really great. Let's just talk about the witches. Dan, hop in.
2: Uh, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that, but apparently we're destroying a building next to me or something like that. Um, listen, I, I think the witches are great. I mean, you've got Bette Midler and Kathy Najimy are old theater salts. I mean, and and these two together are fantastic. Sarah Jessica Parker was often left field for me for most of this movie, which I think she was directed to do. Uh, I didn't, I, I was shocked at how sexual they made Sarah Jessica Parker at, in, in places um, and the bus driver scene, my God. I mean, it is just- we are get well, there. there. <clears throat> wow. Um, but I, like, I think Kathy and Jimmy and Bette Midler together were fantastic and still are. I do have one question for you boys. I wanna know where you thought the first scene, the 1663 scene, or 1693 or whatever it was, uh scene was shot uh in, in terms of production. It was it shot towards the beginning of production, towards the middle of production, towards the end of production? Do you guys have any takes on that? Because I got a quick take after.
0: Ooh, Dave, do you want to handle this one first? Uh just call me frozen water because I got cold takes only. I'm I'm interested to hear hear dance. <laughs> uh
1: well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in first. To be honest with you, that looks like a reshoot. In my opinion. So in my theory is that they did something maybe fairly similar early on. I do feel like that the Emily Thackeray scene inside the cottage was probably shot somewhere early on in production, but the outside one with the hanging looks like a real reshoot to me. Like one, they got a yada, yada, the exposition as quick as they can to set up the film and two, I guarantee you that there's a possibility that a director was like, hey, let's just watch him get hanged or killed or whatever, and we'll just kind of figure it out. And then they have to sort of gloss over that, because that's the thing with Halloween kid movies is you are showing death, but you're trying to do it in this mirthy, lighthearted way. What do you think, Dan?
2: Well, I, I I was talking specifically about that Thackeray and Emily scene in the cottage when we first sort of meet, though, which is um, I I think it was shot very early on because they're super leaning into their choices and the chemistry isn't quite there yet in that first scene, uh, and I think they really sort of developed as the as the movie kind of went on and became a lot closer, and that chemistry really started to to become cohesive it became like an actual threesome instead of instead of each person doing individual bits
1: so you think that they were hardcore leaning into it in the 300 year 300 year ago version of the 1693 and then in 1993 they came back and they're like oh I think maybe we've got this interplay locked in a little bit more
2: yeah 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 yeah.
1: that's an interesting that's an interesting take because I I know what you're saying with Sarah Jessica Parker coming out of left field a little bit but that is a bit of a trope when you play with a three-hander, like with a group of people, where the one is is dumb. I mean, that's just kind of what they kind of play her off as. But what it is, is like they make her more – she's not as – she's not dumb as much – she's more singular, as in like one-track mind. And yeah. I think that's something that you kind of do to sort of play with a younger audience, as sexual as she is at times. Also, she's just kind of a kid, sees a spider on the ground, picks it up, eats it, sees yeah. something fun to play with. Ooh, can I have that? It seems to be playing more towards a younger audience, I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, we don't have to spiral down on the, on the effectiveness of the triangle of the three sisters. But, uh, you know, the Kathy Jimmy is also a dumb, a dumb character if we're, you know, if we're doing that. Bette Midler is also dumb. She's just the leader. It's the blind leading the blind, you know, which I think is a kid's trope. We're going to make the evil as dumb as possible they just happen to like they always get foiled at the end by kids
1: let's talk about that dumb evil um they're released they're happy to be released they do get tricked very quickly by the zippo something that will happen constantly throughout this film and you know what i don't blame these ladies they think that the water is going to melt them it doesn't happen but they get up and then they conspire a plan one their book gets stolen Their creepy, weird, one-eye book, which is actually maybe the scariest part of the movie, is that book with the one eye that can look around. Max steals the book. He books it, and they have to get the book back, and they have to get all the children so they can steal their energy by sunrise so they can stay eternal and young forever. Another metaphor, a strange metaphor parallel with virginity and also with staying young and beautiful forever. And then dumb evil ensues. You get a lot of fish out of water stuff. But you also get this concept of, Dave, you know, if you're down by 21 points as the Bears were last night, let's say, you would think that you might want to come out there with a sense of urgency. Were you feeling the urgency with the witches? Or were they, I don't know, getting sidetracked from time to time?
0: Yeah, they got a little sidetracked, Joe. They did. But they've been been gone for so long. They had so much to catch up on. I mean, things like roads, which... Seems like they knew that roads existed, but then they were confused that they were, you know, um, you know, catching up on all the modern things, but then suddenly knowing how to do a cop joke when they pull up next to the car and knowing what a cop would say as they pull someone over. Knowing what a driver's um, permit is. <laughs> knowing what a driver's permit is. You know, but so those things weren't shown on film, but obviously based on what was happening the gibbons they obviously went and learned those things joey so those things take time
1: <laughs> so the game is afoot it's a real cat and mouse these witches are after these little kids with the book the, the, the kids are just trying to survive the night and trying to figure out how to maybe send these sanderson sanderson sisters back into 1693 which begins a fun little ride of set pieces here we're going to go through the appetite of side pieces because we meet some really interesting characters let's just start first with Billy Butcherson. They go to the cemetery trying to get away from the Sanderson sisters. They hop on their brooms. They start circling them. And just as they think that they can't land to steal the kids away, it's not about what's going them on the ground. It's what's coming up from the ground. It's Billy Butcherson. Enter Doug Jones. Probably an early, early character role for Doug Jones, a guy who now for the next, what, 25, 26, 27 years, I mean, Shape of Water, Fantastic Four, I mean, the list goes on and on, Pan's Labyrinth, so many different amazing films, you know, this guy is, in theory, Andy Serkis before Andy Serkis, is that fair to say? Yeah, And definitely. let's just talk about the Billy Butcherson role, because I also really love the interplay that he was dating Bette Midler, and was found sporting with Sarah Jessica Parker sporting. You can take that forever you want. And he was poisoned and then his mouth was sewn shut so he can never, ever speak another vile thing again. Dave, just hop in with Billy Butcherson. your take on the Doug Jones performance.
0: I mean, I thought the physicality was amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I vividly remember that character as a child. Uh, I remember that was one of the scarier parts and then was really happy when he very quickly turned and became good. You find
1: out he's chill? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, you know, the bit with the cutting the mouth open and, and spitting out some dust and a feather, I mean, that's as classic as it gets, Joe.
1: Yeah, those are real moths, actually. He actually <laughs> put three, no, for real, he put three real moths in his mouth and was holding them in there and then released them. That is not CGI. That is Doug Jones putting mouths, moths in his mouth Dan, your thoughts on Billy Butcherson and just, you know, this is the first moment where you're like, Oh, wait a second. Spinoff series. What happened to Billy back in 1693? What, you know, he definitely got crossed and done dirty.
2: Yeah. Uh, listen, I think that from the second we see Billy Butcherson turn around, see what's on his headstone and react. We know we're in for a ride and I'm going to be honest with you. I think that this movie the linchpin of this movie is Billy Butcherson. I don't think you have Hocus Pocus without Billy Butcherson. That's my take.
1: Well, I mean, you've got the gag of his head getting knocked off. You've got your Halloween
0: frights right there. You've got a little- twice, by the way. Yeah, you got a fun little (laughs) head comes off twice. The director
2: (laughs) says, I got to have it again. Well, he's got to get the head off so so Thora Birch can get out of her protection of salt, which remind me about salt. We got to talk about that. So Uh, much in there. Thora, Thora Birch. Also, why is the salt so hidden in the in their cu- cupboard? It's salt. Why is it on the top shelf all the way in the back that you have to look for it so hard? It's
0: salt. Cumin, oregano. Um...
2: Yeah. Oh, I bought bad. this
0: salt special. Stay yeah. away from this
1: salt. I'm going to go out to the store. Don't touch yeah. the salt.
2: Thora Birch gets out of her protection salt ring and goes and gets his head for him and that's what gets Thora Birch picked up in the first place, or Danny picked up in the first place.
1: Well, and it's also the one character other than Thackeray Banks, like this, these witches, you know, they got an enemy list that still is trailing them to this very day. You know, Thackeray Banks is the cat is one of them, but also Billy Butcherson when he comes back, they enlist him to help him. But, you know, he's still kind of bummed about what happened. He probably should have married Sarah Jessica Parker. They moved and they had a nice little cottage. You know, she could have just gone around casting spells on mice and other weird things and he could have just, whatever, chopped wood and lived a merry life. Didn't really work out that way, did it, Billy? So let's move on. Next person, they get into town and the bus pulls up. What is this contraption? It's some sort of gliding, some gliding mobile of some kind. And let's just sit in the bus driver for a second. I mean, gentlemen, if there's any role in this movie that you could have had, how is it not
0: the bus driver? Dave, go first. Well, Joey, I... I wouldn't pick the bus driver. We'll get to who I would pick, okay? There's a little little bit of a, a switcheroo. Uh you know, I like a character with a with a with a little secret. So uh there's definitely one of those coming up. But bus driver classic. I mean, I assume his name in the script was Pervy Bus Driver. I assume that's how it was. Uh obviously this is pre-woke Disney. Uh this is like this is one for the adults where This bus driver, let's call him what he is, he's a predator driving around this town. Who knows? If they were witches and they didn't get off at that stop, who knows what would have happened to those three women? I mean, I'm I'm fearful for them. That guy was- Why do you you drive the the bus, sir?
1: Yeah, why do you do it? Why do you go to the job? Why do you punch in every day? I do it for the women. I do it for the women every time. Uh, Dan, I want to ask you, I mean, yeah, bus driver, certainly loving his job, definitely cruising for chicks. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is
2: going route to route, I believe. Yeah, this
1: is a real heat check performance from the bus driver. What was your take?
2: Well, listen, I am no stranger to the promiscuous life. I have lived it my entire life, Uh, but I've got some rules, and one of those rules is Don't sleep with people who have to ask you what a bus is. Mm, That's a good (sighs) rule.
0: That's a good rule. That's a good rule.
2: We have gotten to a point where they don't have the mental cognition for me to sleep well at night knowing that I've slept with this person. Standards.
1: Yes, standards. And then also, you know, just to be very fair, someone then asks for children before they even get on the bus from you. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot for me to take personally. I'm I'm more of a slow roll kind of guy. Skip a beat.
2: Yeah. He was right there ready. I mean, it'll take me a few tries, but I'm sure we can make that happen.
0: Look, it's very clear that the city of Salem does not give a fuck about kids. They're last on the list, okay? If it was 2020, we know where they would be, which side they would be on. Kids are dying. We don't care. Send them to school.
1: And that's the funnest part. There's a whole nother movie going on with the adults in this film of like, it just sort of seems like this is just the one day out of the year where all the adults in Salem just get to say, screw it to the kids, whatever yeah. happens, happens. It's a purge situation. Just let them all handle themselves for one night. Cause we're going out and partying, which brings me up to the fake cop.
0: Yeah. Now they're
1: running talking. away from the Sanderson sisters. You know, they got to find the authorities and what the kids do. They actually do the right thing. They try and tell their parents. They can't find their parents. They try and tell an authority figure. They go up to the cop. They explain to him that the Sanderson sisters are back. Of course, he's not going to believe them, but the cop gets up and immediately starts grilling Max about whether he's a virgin or not. You know, just again, again, another, another black mark in Salem. If you are a virgin at 15 years old, something is wrong with you, sir. Let's just talk about this fake cop for a second because, Gives him a piece of advice, tells him to scram, and then comes out with one of his, his girlfriends to hop on a bike. And they're going out to party hard.
0: Dave, you're taking the fit cop. Well, this is the role I would choose, Joey. This is the dream role right here. I'll tell you why, Joey. This is all you want in a tiny little co-star in a feature film, okay? Bus driver, yeah, one note. Here's what you're playing. You're thirsty. You're always going to be thirsty. Same as you are at the beginning of the scene, as you are at the end of the scene. This cop has layers he has depth he's He's got got a a secret he's got a little secret that's so fun to play he gets to play mr cop role to start off and let me tell you i hadn't seen the movie in a long time i forgot i legit believed he was a cop great performance okay i thought he was going to help them i thought they were going to jail i couldn't remember what happens then the kids leave Then the woman gets on the back of the bike. You realize, oh, no, he's just a biker dude who pretends to be a cop because it's Halloween. And then you go, then why was he just roasting that kid about being a virgin so hard? (laughs) Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, there's a real real switcheroo. Dan, what's your take on the fake cop? Uh, You know, a a classic joke, uh, you know, script joke that plays on paper, but now is just wildly illegal in all 50 states.
2: Yeah, well, I'm gonna agree hard here with my compatriot Dave Rispoli on this one. I mean, to be completely honest, it's been a while since I'd seen it, and I was like, "He's gonna take this. He's gonna take Max to jail." That when and and I tried to remember, like, for being a virgin. What's the jail scene? And then the roasting on the virgin. And I was like. Man, I mean, they kind of nailed cops from the future. Uh, At least they got that part right. (laughs) And then you find out that he's just dressed up for Halloween. And I felt like an idiot because I was like, ah, Halloween? Of course he's dressed up. Why didn't I see this? But listen, they did great on the – he did great on his costume. I should have been a little more – a little – paid more attention to his bike because that is not a standard issue cop bike there's no red and blue lights we we could have seen it we they gave us the clues if we had looked hard enough uh, but really well done on Disney, really well done on the actor. Dave, I didn't think of it, but I'm gonna agree with you. That's the role to have if you're if you're going out there for, for a day player on this thing. Yeah. It also
1: makes you think that you were allowed to dress as a fake cop back in the 90s and then the movie came out, and like legislators across the country are like, Well, we gotta put a stop to this right now because this this is this could play itself out in real life, especially if witches come back to life. I wanna move over real quick to the role that I would have wanted to play. They're out They're out and about. The kids are everywhere. There has a lot of fun side jokes about, like, angels and what these kids look like. And then they finally get to what they call Master's House. Gary Marshall dresses the devil. Now, this is the role for me right there. Uh, real fantastic. Uh, real fun scene. Real tongue-in-cheek. Obviously, Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall have a huge history with Bette Midler and Kathy Jimmy. And I don't know if they worked with Sarah Jessica Parker, but it's kind of a bit of a, a coming home, a meeting of the minds. Really funny short scene, but just packs packs a lot in a small amount of time. And Penny Marshall and Gary Marshall being married, uh, a little strange. Doesn't age super great, but it does uh, feature my favorite line of him taking the candy and chucking it to Kathy and Jimmy's character and going, go long, and like, you could have been a tight end. Uh, this is one of my favorite scenes. That's the role that I probably would have played in this movie.
0: He's incredible in this. I mean, I had some real belly laughs during that scene this time around it was great uh just i mean talk about playing playing finding the game right that this is this is satan and everything he says is from satan's mouth and and the uh the miscommunications great uh and he's fantastic in it and she's fantastic in it as the disgruntled chain-smoking mom who's just uh, like doesn't want to she has got curlers in her hair which they think is medusa snakes I mean, this scene is classic (laughs) comedy. Yeah, it's actually probably
1: like the best written scene in the movie in terms of like jokes and what you're actually driving towards and when you're trying to skewer the the witches and the Halloween and everything. Dan, I want you to hop in. Penny Marshall, Gary Marshall being married. A little weird or all in good fun?
2: uh you know it was all in good fun for me but i do take your point it does not age very well let's talk about the fact though that gary marshall fucks in this movie like the dude fully is expecting a foursome when he invites these girls in he i think he's even thinking maybe i can get penny in on this uh this little this little escapade as well the dude is told why else is he inviting three grown women into a not party (laughs) what
1: is uh, yeah. yeah, and da- yeah, Dave, I want you to hop in and also we're both married. Uh, if three women went, walked into your house and you said to your wife, they're calling me master. This is a good thing. Uh, it, it wouldn't work out, correct?
0: Yeah, I think that scene went on a little too long uh, to touch on reality. I think the scene would actually go, hey, I brought these three women out. They need to leave? You need to leave. (laughs) I'm so sorry. You need to leave right now. What do you want? They were calling me master. (laughs) I'm sorry. And then you sleep on the couch, and that's that.
1: Oh, man. Uh, Really fun scene. That's probably the guy that I would definitely play in the movie. And from there, a lot of hijinks start to happen. They seemingly defeat the Sanderson sisters for a moment. They are able to steal the book. They burn them alive which doesn't really work i don't i
0: get the logic sort of but it doesn't work it doesn't that, happen that, that was my f- favorite uh little like writer way out you know the writers were like okay we gotta figure out a way to get them to uh, uh what is it a kelm is that what it called the uh, the pottery yeah. yeah. Trying to get them to there. They're like, okay, we need her to connect the dots as a character. They're like, yeah, but they're outside in an alleyway. They're like, just throw an old stove back there. <laughs> There's a full stove yeah. in an alleyway that she's hiding behind. And then she just happens to like, right. push the door of the stove open. And that's the idea. But it was a bit of a stretch, writers, but we'll give it to you. Well, We'll there's a a lot
1: going on. Like she's so emotionally connected to the book. And then once they have the book and open it, she doesn't even know what's going on with the book until she sees the light far and off and away. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Dan, let's, I think we're at that point right now. Let's start to just poke some holes a little bit. You know, what, what didn't make sense with you in this movie a little bit? And, uh, what do you think maybe they, they stretched their creative licenses in areas?
2: Oh God! I, I I mean, where does one start? <laughs> there's 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 jumps and and plot holes all over the place. Uh, you know what, uh, Dave? If you got something right off the bat, let's let's go. Yeah. To well,
0: I just want to talk about the main theme of the movie. Next to being a virgin, is laughable. The main theme of this movie, and I'm really happy it's the three of us doing this podcast because we all have sisters. And the main theme of this movie is treating the brother sister relationship like lovers. Like these guys want to give it all to make sure they spend eternity with their sister, just their sister. It's really weird. I love my sister, Amanda. If you're listening to this, I appreciate your support. I love you, but not gonna happen. (laughs) Why are they doing that? Why are they making it that the moral of the story is there ain't nothing better than your sibling, the relationship between a brother and sister?
1: Well, my main one is, and we haven't really hit it, let's talk about Thackeray Banks for a second. So let me get this straight Thackeray Banks. XXXXL t shirt screws up in the beginning and his sister is placed under this curse and her energy is sucked away. He gets turned into a cat. So now all of a sudden you're asking yourself, what is his incentive? It is not his his incentive to have a virgin light this candle and have the Anderson sisters come back so that he can break the curse and not be a cat anymore and get back to his sister? He does say that every year he guards it in case someone comes around to light the candle and then he would be ready to stop the Sanderson sisters. But I call false logic here. I would think, if anything, he would be inviting these virgins into this place to light a candle so that he can get back to his life so we can get out of this curse. Dan, hop in.
2: Yeah, I mean, he actually even tries to stop Max from lighting the candle the first time. He jumps on him and, try and, and pulls him to the ground. Uh, he Makes gets, no sense. He actively... St- in the way of, you know, unless listen you look at max maybe you don't think virgin so you're saying this kid can't light this candle i need an actual virgin i get it he's an la hot boy he's an la he's an la boy toy he wears
1: I, sunglasses I at night he has a zippo lighter we get it he's white hot
2: yeah the guy's a rap singer for for halloween um you know i, I think that my biggest thing rap was, singer that is singer. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's exactly I, what they say Oh, were these, were these writers white?
2: I need to check.
1: <laughs> another, another, uh, another failed Halloween costume from Dan's uh, youth also, when he was just a rap singer.
2: <laughs> a thousand percent. Uh, uh, but, you know, one of the things that, that didn't work for me was, one, listen, Max is screamed at, told not to light this candle we apparently acquiesce when the cat tells us not to and it, it brings us to the ground then max gets up and lights the thing anyway and these kids are not uh, vanessa shaw and thora birch are just like well, here we go We're on a wild adventure i'm furious at this point if max does this in front of me after i've explicitly begged with him to not do it and let's go dave hop in big logic
0: question here need to see this as an audience member one person attempt to blow out the candle. No one tries to do that at any point. We need to see someone try to do that and then go, oh, it's not working before the whole movie. I'm going, blow it out, sneeze by it, and it's over. They're gone. The candle's out. It happens all the time. Yeah, you could even like fart over the
1: candle. I mean, anything to see if you can get some sort of chemical reaction from this cursed candle. Next piece of logic I want to throw out there, and you guys will definitely know what I'm talking about. It's not necessarily a curse to dance all night, now is it? Um, I now, uh, fantastic scene, Bette Midler finally, you know, written in her contract. I got to sing in this movie. You figure it out, and you just let me know what time and date, and this is what I'm going to do. Fun Halloween adult party, You know, the mom's dressed as Madonna. The dad's clearly drunk because he tries to kiss Vanessa Shaw's hand, which doesn't age very well at all. But I definitely remember um, being with you two gentlemen in 2009 at a little place called Lollapalooza uh, when we had the VIP passes. And I don't remember any sort of curse happening to us to have us dance all night long. I just don't see that logic necessarily. Uh, Dan, I just want to hear your thoughts on that one because – they made it seem like they couldn't stop dancing. Well, we've been there before, and it's happened.
2: Uh, yeah, I I found no curse in that. Uh, as the saying goes, you cannot spell dance without Dan. Um, mm. so I am rather used to lengthy sessions of grooving and moving.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, it's all fun all night long, Dave. Uh, what's your take on that logic there? That that it would have to take a spell to make you dance all night. Sign me up, sign
0: me up. <laughs> I mean, are we doing Daft Punk, Jamiroquai? That party me. looked awesome. Okay, yeah. really good cover band, the Skulls, I believe they were. Really good. They were playing the hits. Everyone was bumping. The costumes were on point. That's what I love about Halloween movies. Halloween movies. No, there are no Dan Sanders Joyces in Halloween movies. No one skimps on the Halloween costume. They're decked out in the to the nines. The houses are decked out perfectly. The art department always goes full throttle. They don't make any house lame. That party looked bumpin you know and if it, and if you can do it all night till the sun comes up, and by the way, the mom still dancing when she got out like the spell was over she was still still dancing
1: still grooving through breakfast yeah that's a great point that it definitely seemed like Salem blew its fiscal yearly budget on Halloween Um, and said we're going to allocate all of our dollars you see those huge potholes in that street over there Uh, just drive around them because we got Halloween's right around the corner
0: they can't even afford real cops
1: (laughs) can't even afford real cops Dan hop in
2: I just want to say, I, I know that none of us are scared of a curse that makes us dance all night because I've been to both of your weddings and we did exactly that without the curse. So bring yeah. on the curse, Bet. Bring it on.
1: Yeah. So for all you kids out there that are worried that some sort of spell is going to make you dance all night long, don't worry. It's just called Jamiroquai. Yeah. It's just basically what it, what it is. Uh, it's time, guys. We're going to start to wrap up. I just want to hear real quick, you know, what's your favorite, you know, who's the MVP of the movie for you? What was the favorite part of the movie for you? And um, I don't know if you have a favorite line, go for it. It's not really a highly quotable movie. It's kind of more about moments and characters.
0: So I just love to hear about what your favorite aspects of that are. Dave, if you want to go first. Sure. I mean, for me, it was all about the Sanderson sisters. They're incredible in this movie, the comic timing. But really, for me, Mary. I mean, Kathy Najimi is so funny in this movie. Her physicality with her mouth, how she kind of like always is talking out the side of her mouth, and her writing a vacuum sign me up you know it's just when she gets stuck with that when it goes from broom to mop to vacuum and then they also have like the uh the sfx of the of the vacuum noises as she's like riding it around the entire time which i thought was very very funny uh, but she she's just so funny in this movie, and uh, I, I actually spent most of the movie just watching her because of her facial expressions to everything. She almost hangs on every word Bette Midler says. It's fantastic to watch.
1: Yeah, it's a great credit to her. I mean, what is her character arc in the movie that she can't smell children? And then at <laughs> the end of the movie, she can smell children? I mean, there's not a lot to work with there. Very true. So good on her, Dan. You know, who's your MVP or what's your favorite moment of the
2: movie? Uh, I got a dark horse for my MVP. The MVP is actually the English teacher in the beginning that tells the tale of this. Oh, she's great. Because I wish that she was my English teacher. She was incredible. She loved that story so much and she told it very well. Um, I got a question for you boys. One more question for you boys. Uh, Since this is typically a sports uh, podcast, (laughs) let's talk about Max's swing. Why is he choking up so far on that bat? Wow. Yeah, really? I don't know.
1: And great question too. He's not clearing the hips either. Um, I'm kind is of curious. Off his
2: shoulders. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't know exactly who what he's expecting to, what kind of damage he's expecting to inflict there. It definitely looked like he hadn't really picked up a bat in a while. I'm also kind of curious. I don't remember exactly where he got that bat from.
2: Yeah, it came um,
1: from Yeah, maybe it was uh, yeah hidden behind the salt in the top part of the cabinet there. But, uh, yeah, that was the plan, some salt in the bat, and let's take down these witches. That's a great call. I, I, I didn't like it. It was an uppercut, uh, strange swing, definitely susceptible to the slider low and away. Didn't like it at all.
0: Obviously, yeah. not a lot of torque on that because Bette Miller just put her hand out, snatched the bat. <laughs> didn't even hurt.
1: Yeah, and, the, no, that, and the, you know what? The funny, that's not CGI. Uh, Bette Miller actually really did that on set. She's, she's that powerful.
2: Uh, I also would just like to say, to that point, Max was kind of a wuss. I mean, like, he is always the last one up. Vanessa and Thora Birch are always up first helping him up. And he's not really taking the brunt of much, you know? The one time he got tossed over the drum set. Other than that, like, he's just falling down and staying down.
1: Yeah, and shout out to Vanessa Shaw, honestly. Like, an incredibly underwritten character. And like you said, she's the one that just keeps getting up and keeps going, just keeps trucking. You know what I mean? Like, let's just keep grinding and now keep the running game going here. And eventually we're going to be able to win here. She does make a crucial mistake when she wants to open up the book, which is just, you know, that's, that's a, that's a script writer's, that's a script writer's little tweak right there. Yeah. Yeah. For a character that doesn't have a whole lot to do. She definitely was a, a trooper in this one for sure. Agreed. Dave, hop in.
0: Yeah. I really, really like this movie. It's just the final, final scene that just really just made me feel so strange as the cat turns back into who we've been thought to believe is a teenage boy who then leans down and kisses tiny little Thor Birch's cheek.
2: Who's, eight year old Thor who Birch. is
0: an eight-year-old girl. You're not I know you've been through an emotional journey and you know done all this stuff together, but you don't know her, you <laughs> yeah, know, and if you're it's max, related. do me a favor, can you not kiss my sister? can you yeah just do me, there, can you do me that quick favor and then the final line he as he walks off with his sister who who he's been f- going through hell just to make sure he's with his little sister, uh again, weird, and then he just once again roasting Max in front to. Another little girl about being a virgin. This cat, a little inappropriate. Well, let's be honest. You know he's going to go to heaven and tell everyone
1: up in heaven that, that Max is a virgin. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, secret's, the secret's out, man. Um, if you're you hoping to keep that under wraps. Uh, Here's what
2: I say about Max. Here's what I will say about Max. He never once backs down from the fact that he's a virgin. He never once looks shy or embarrassed by the fact that he's a virgin. He's living his truth. He's just a virgin. That's it. That's all there is to it. Everybody else Um, has a problem with it. I applaud Max for being cool with who he is. Yeah,
1: when you're 15, there's nothing wrong with it. Real quick, I'm going to get my my favorite things in the movie. One is I love the physicality of their walking, the witches walking. I think that's probably the most iconic, funny thing that they probably came up with pre-production. And when they did it, probably laughed when they yelled cut. Super funny. It just really kind of embodies not just like the old witch tropes, but just who those three characters are. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's cleavage Um, you know what I you know what I'm not trying to be inappropriate it's just it's out there it's out there the whole movie it's just out there and and I'm applauding it and then the other one is my MVPs honestly Thora Birch um, who went on to have a really great career this is one of her first movies and they honestly give her a lot of like the heavy lifting like all the like emotional tenors of you know what it's like to you know, be like on the outside looking in, you know, when the cat dies, even in the end of the movie, you were just talking about, you know, she gets the final shot of like tears streaming down her face when this story concludes and resolves itself in a positive way. They give her that emotional part. And I just think she's just a great, she's obviously a talented actress now, but even as a child, just an amazing, talented actress, even back then. Dan, hop in.
2: Yeah, Thor, I got some some quotables from Thora Birch, uh, even though you're right, this movie isn't quite the most movie of all time, but she had some she had some good ones for me. Um after the run-in with Ernie and Jay outside of the trick-or-treating when she says you should have punched him he says they would have killed me. She says at least you would have died like a man. Uh which I thought really hit, really hit home. Um, The second one was I could never wear a costume like that because I don't have any, what do you call them? yabos
1: yabos oh
2: and yeah yabos why I, call, why I didn't call boobs yabos uh and still don't is beyond me so here i am making a proclamation from henceforth i will always refer to breasts as yabos yeah joey's He
1: loves ten, your
0: yabos joey's <laughs> 10 year old self still thinking about sarah jessica parker's yabos <laughs>
1: <laughs> it changed my life dave it did it changed apparently. my life
0: it did, <laughs> it did apparently <laughs>
1: Uh, And then finally, guys, before we get out here, we're doing this at a very timely, uh, timely piece in our in our history right now. We found out yesterday it has been confirmed. Hocus Pocus 2 is coming to Disney Plus. The three witches have all been confirmed to return. I haven't really heard much about any of the other returning players about whether it actually will involve Omri Katz and Thor Birch's characters, whether we'll see Billy Butcherson or not. But I just want to ask you guys real quick. They give you a call. They're like, hey, I need you to dial me up a script. ASAP about Hocus Pocus 2, you know, Dave, what is your Hocus Pocus 2 script or synopsis about?
0: Oh, Joey, this is already written, the script's done, so if anyone um, is listening to this from a a studio, it's ready to go, locked and loaded, it's been revised. Here's the synopsis. Hocus Pocus 2. It's Halloween night in 2020. The world's in an awful pandemic and supposed to be on lockdown. The teenage son and daughter of Max and Allison – yes, they get married – decide to disobey the fake news media and head out on a maskless adventure to the one place their parents forbid them from going, the Sanderson Sister House, which turned into a museum but is now just an abandoned radio shack. They both light the candle revealing they're both virgins and summon the Sanderson Sisters – who then get convinced that 2020 America is truly worse than hell, and they end up leaving on their own volition? <laughs> hocus pocus two, more pocus, more
1: pocus. Dan, uh, what do you think? What's your hocus hocus pocus two about?
2: Yeah, uh, well, in my in 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 the script that is also any studios listening uh, that is written hasn't been quite as revised as Dave's. So I, I will say. Uh, I
0: have a lot of time, Dan. <laughs>
2: um, Max and, and Allison did have a wonderful relationship through the rest of high school. Uh, Allison got into a Cornell and went off uh, to really study and and uh, pursue academia. Max never gave up the sticks. Max becomes one of the most influential drummers of our lifetime and starts the Max Denison Five. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately, Allison and Max do part ways and and continue in on their life life, uh, paths until one day the women, the booze, the drugs, the rock and roll get too much for Max. And he remembers back to a time, a more simpler time with Allison, goes back to Salem. Love finds uh, a grouping of candles to make an impression on and One of those candles, unbeknownst to him, is made from the fat of a plowman. He lights that, igniting the black flame. Max brings back the witches. I haven't gotten anywhere past that.
0: That's okay. <laughs> it, that's why rewrites exist, Dan. I love this. I love that idea. Good watch. Good um,
1: watch. I, w- I was going to go with... Um, I was going to go with Salem, 2020. Okay. Ice works at the gas station. His life hasn't worked out the way that he thought it would since he stole those shoes Halloween night and ended up in that contraption, that hang contraption. Super traumatized by it. Max and Allison, I'm also going with married. Thora Birch now maybe like running for mayor. They're, they run this town. They're the high society, They're elite society. And Ice, in terms of a revenge point, try and brings back the witches to go after them one last time, incentivizing them with that. They've got all this power and this prestige who comes back from the dead this time. Not Billy Butcherson, but Jay, Jay died a long time ago, but they bring him back. And now they're this bu- this bully buddy type comedy who are also kind of the Renfield to the witches. And Dave, like you mentioned on our pre-pod, a lot of Instagram jokes, a lot of phone jokes, you know uh-huh. what I mean, a lot of ATM yeah. stuff a oh, lot there's of that. Def-
0: there's definitely i we may not all be dead on, but I can guarantee you there's going to be a what what's Facebook joke you know for sure they're stealing our faces It's good if you like it yeah <laughs> the children will come. Yeah, you want to get more
1: subscribers? Subscribers, eh? Uh, Or 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 she'll ask
0: someone like, I'm looking for my book, my spell book. And they're like, oh, you mean
2: Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) That's Jay's son. Do you remember Kathy and Jimmy freaking out when she saw the commercial with the baby? Now she's going to see Facebook or Instagram with all of the pictures, and like trying to dive into the phone to get to these kids is going to be- Oh yeah,
1: eat the adorable baby pictures. Guys, we are halfway there on a script. We're going to have to wait and see, folks. We're not going to spoil the rest of it for you as we sell the rights to this puppy right here. But this is the 1993 film, Hocus Pocus. Happy Halloween, everyone. We wanted to try and do something a little bit different in the spirit of the season and just get our minds off of Bears-Rams for one damn second. And hopefully the Bears can bounce back next week against the Saints. But this was Hocus Pocus with Dave
0: Verspoli. Dave, thank you so much for joining. Joey, I think it was the Sanderson sisters who said, Goodbye, cruel world and
1: dan sanders joyce thank you so much for joining hey when you're out there on the halloween streets be safe this week and always have your zippo lighter on you
2: thanks guys uh dance until the daylight every day you don't need a night like halloween to let you do it
1: amen Put a spell on you. My name is Joy Christopoulos. This was Believe in Betting Chicago. This was just a very special, fun episode from our movie podcast series just to celebrate Halloween this week. And guess what? We might just have one more left coming, so make sure you check that out. And, of course, we're going to talk some sports, too, as well. This episode was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. That's it for us today. Until then, be safe, be kind, be good to each other. We will talk soon.
0: Baby, I was going to make lunch, but I had to wait for a bunch of virgins to do a podcast.